And now, with Sound Investing, here's Paul Merriman. Before I get into today's topic, uh, the flexible distributions, I'd like to talk about what I think is one of the most important uh, philosophical positions to take as a long-term successful investor. And that position is to always think defensively. Now, I don't mean so defensively that you put all your money in, in cash. Of course, that would not be a defensive move. That would be a losing move. And I don't mean having all of your money in bonds. I don't mean that kind of defensive. But every time we come to a fork in the road, and many of them are very obvious, uh, I think being defensive is advantageous. Being defensive with lower expenses, being defensive with diversification amongst many different stocks, being defensive by having diversification amongst different equity asset classes, being defensive with having the right amount of fixed income in the portfolio so that when the market falls, you are living uh, and surviving within your limits of your uh, loss, uh, risk tolerance. So defense, defense in your taxes, I actually think that when one pays, in in essence, an extra price to do a Roth IRA versus a regular IRA, that uh, they are defending against some unknown tax risks uh, in the future. So so I, I think defensive. And it may be that one of the biggest defensive steps you'll take will be how you access your your money in retirement how you take distributions now in the in the last podcast we talked about fixed distributions fixed distributions that each year adjusted for whatever inflation happened so that it allowed you to keep up with the impact of inflation And this is particularly important to an investor who has what I call saved enough, enough that they can finally leave work and retire and feel like they have enough to take distributions, whether it's 3 or 4% for the rest of their life, and have an adjustment uh, for inflation each year. So, This next step we're going to take is a very different set of circumstances, and it leads to a different decision about how much you can take out of your investments in retirement. We call it the flexible. At times, historically, we've called it variable. But the idea is that each year you're going to get a distribution that will not be based on your cost of living, will not be based on on an adjustment for inflation. And the reason being that you are going to retire with a portfolio that is more than enough. And having more than enough 
suggests that you are probably going to be able to take more out. You're going to be able to give more away. Uh, You're going to be able to leave more to others. And so, and so in some ways, if there's any uh, luxury uh, in retirement, uh, regardless whether you are a frugal person living on little or uh, a wealthy person living on a lot, uh, this strategy uh, will allow you to take out more. And let me just set the parameters so you'll get this, because when I go to the table, the table I, that I'm going to show you is very much like the last table we looked at where we were taking the fixed distributions. But the idea is this, as an example. Let's say somebody had a cost of living of $40,000, and they needed, and they had no Social Security, they had no pension, so we can just focus on the distribution for retirement or to meet the cost of living. So they have a million dollars. And by taking out 4%, uh, they will be able to cover their cost of living. And what they're planning on is their 50-50 portfolio, for example, uh, giving them enough stability with the bonds, enough growth with the stocks, that you'll be able to make a return that will allow the portfolio to keep up with higher distributions in the future to accommodate the likely inflation you're going to run into. Now, let's change the scenario. Let's keep the cost of living at $40,000. That's the need. Let's call it the need that you... Then that was what we were referring to to the the previous 40,000. You need that to meet your basics in 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 life. But let's say that that with that $40,000 cost of living you have saved 2 million dollars instead of 1 million dollars. So to the extent that that you take out enough to meet your needs, it would be a 2% extraction rate uh, instead of a, of, of a 4. Now, you could also take out 4 uh, from that 2 million, which would give you 80,000 instead of 40, and you would be able to live a, a, a richer, at least financially, life. And whether that means traveling more, giving away more, uh, eliminating the concern that the market might go down, whatever it is that would keep you on edge, that additional uh, million dollars or whatever you take out of that uh, is going to be a bonus of sorts. So that says that the person who's got $2 million wouldn't worry about inflation if their cost of living was 40000 Now, if the portfolio went down to 500000 if you lost 75% of the $2 million, yes, you would have a concern. But in the theory here is we're talking about doing reasonable things uh, and, and in terms of building the portfolio. So another possibility arises that's, that's even more fun. 
And that is, instead of taking out 4%, you could take out 5%. Again, you're not worried about inflation. Your cost of living is $40,000, and that means that you would be able to take out $100,000 out of that $2 million. Now, what we have to do, of course, is we have to test that and see if that is legitimate. But we can test it to see if it's legitimate without having to even use $2 million. Because what we will find is if instead of our decision as to how much we take out is just to meet our cost of living, if we simply go in and take out 4 or 5% to meet our needs for the rest of the year, we can see what would have happened to the values of the portfolios. Now, there is one thing in this particular strategy that is a game changer, because we are now ignoring inflation, because we're not concerned about it. What we, what we aren't ignoring is the implications of a market decline. So instead of taking out 40000 and upping the amount every year by inflation, we ignore inflation and we take 4% or 5% or 6% out of the account at the first of the year, and then we wait until the end of the year to see how much we have to, to, to support the next year. So what happens is if the market goes down during that year, that means the 5% distribution will be smaller the next year than it was the year before. So most of the times you're getting a raise in what you take out because most of the time the market goes up. But when it falls, we are doing something defensive, and it's much more powerful than than the words suggest, and you'll see that in just a minute. So the other thing that I like about this defensive strategy is not only that it allows us to take out more, and, and, and to be comfortable with it, but that in a, in a relationship that is not abnormal, having been in the business and talked to lo- as an advisor and talked to lots of couples, there's oftentimes a frugal person, and, uh, and oftentimes there's a person that really enjoys spending money. And uh, neither is a sin, uh, but 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 I know that uh, in each case the frugal person is sometimes uh, creates a little anxiety because they're not sure how far the spender is going to go, and the spender is nervous because they're afraid that the frugal person is going to say we can't spend any more money. So let's talk about what happens, and let's I'm I'm going to use. Uh, several of the tables that we used before under the fixed distribution. I'm going to start, and I'll just talk about the S&P 500 when I compare the two strategies. But when I look at the 3% extraction rate on the fixed S&P 
500 strategy, and I'll look at 50-50 just as a comparison. Uh, I notice that at the end of, I'll go out 30 years, at the end of 30 years, the 50-50 strategy, where every year the amount being distributed is going up, um, that the value of the portfolio at the end of 30 years was almost $11 million. Now, if I look at a similar table that's 50-50, but has no correction to inflation, and I assume that the person starts by taking out 3%, and with a million dollars, when I look out uh, 30 years, I see that the value of the account is $13 million instead of 11. And I see that the last distribution in 1999 was $373,000. When I look at the distribution from the uh, the fixed distribution would have been 130000 So what I'm saying here is that with the same amount of money, the only difference being willing to let the, the distribution go down. And because, remember, we're assuming you've got maybe $2 million instead of $1 million, I'm just showing you how the $1 million stands up. But you got two of those working for you, so you're not losing any sleep, I hope. So there are a couple of things that are happening here. Because strictly of that defensive step, you've ended up with, let's call it 20% more money, and you have taken out, you are taking out a lot more. In fact, if we let these two strategies go right to the bottom of the page, the 50-50 fixed distribution strategy, which had distributions of $6.4 million, ended up with $27 million. So you got to enjoy 6.4, you got to leave 27 million. I know you're not going to let that happen, but this is just the study as we designed it here. In the case of the flexible distribution at the at the first of the year just like the other that is based on a percentage of what the previous year ended being worth at the uh, uh, at the bottom of the page Interestingly enough, the year-end balance is $27 million, as the, is the balance here, $27 million. So there's no big difference in what you left in the end to heirs. But where there is a big difference, in the one case, you had distributions of $6.4 million with the fixed, and here you had distributions of $18 million. So I bring I would even, by the way, want to emphasize this to a young investor that 
they're going to make a decision. Are they going to try to save enough so they get to some magic number? Maybe it's a million dollars, maybe it's two, maybe it's three, but it's enough to start drawing off 4% and adjust for retirement uh, inflation. And that's the way a lot of people think. I am just saying that you go for more than enough because it gives you the opportunity to benefit from being able to stay the course and not have to take money out of your capital when it's in decline or not so much, uh, and it allows you to take out more as the portfolio grows. So that's the one uh, couple of pages I want to focus on. Now, I don't know that there's a lot of value of going through the 4% distribution rate, uh, but there are a couple things you might find of interest. Uh, let me just look at the, the bottom line, because before there was $27 million uh, left over, and you had distributed uh, if I remember right, let's see, the, the distributions were $17 million. Now, the distributions are more like $16 million. So you took out a million dollars less because you, uh, because you increased the distribution. I think that's, that's really interesting. And why that happens is because by taking out less, the principal value grew. And as you took out your percentage every year, you took out a percentage of a higher number. But the differences are not huge between 3 and 4%. They're still livable. I might also note, and this is not a minor item, if you have saved more than you need, you may say, wait a minute now, I could consider taking out five. Um, I also could consider moving one more column on the table. I could have a 60-40 strategy instead of a 50-50 strategy. Let's go back for a second and assume that we did that with that 3% distribution, just to take a look, by moving over to the next uh, combination, 60-40. Now, remember, we ended with $27 million and $19 million, I'm sorry, $18 million in distributions with that flexible 3% extraction rate. If we moved over one more column to 60-40, we end up with 35, almost 39 million, and over 21 million in distributions. And if, if you don't remember, it's real easy to go back and look at the fine-tuning table and see that that 60-40 wasn't much more risky. Well, yeah, it was a little more risky. But remember, you could, in theory, afford to take a little more risk because you're using the flexible distribution. So let's go back to that four page, just one sec, for the uh, 
4%. 4%. And by the way, this is always right at the first of the year, so you know exactly what you have to spend for the year. Uh, when we look here at the uh, uh, the 4% distribution, uh, everything makes it to the bottom of the page, as it did uh, with the 3% distribution, but just different amounts. But then we're going to take another leap. We're going to take the leap that put people in the hole, that ran people out of money. And that is we're going to go to a 5% distribution rate. Now, if you recall, in table D15, where we took out $50,000 a year on a fixed basis, having to adjust to inflation every year. We were out of money with all of the columns, even the fixed income column. And now when we make this adjustment, and by the way, I don't show all of the columns uh, here because it, as you'll see in the table, it takes more room to share the, the pertinent information. But when I look at what happened with a, a, a flexible strategy, taking out 5% instead of 3 or instead of 4 I don't end up with as much money because I'm taking out more money along the way. We would expect that. So instead of having... $27 million or whatever it was with the smaller amounts of distributions with 5% and the 50-50 strategy, you end up with little over $9 million for heirs. If you went out 30 years, you would end up with about $7 million for your heirs. And if we had the comfort of being 60-40, uh, when we got out 30 years, instead of 7 million, you'd have 8, and instead of 9 million, you'd have over 11 with the 60 40 flexible distribution. So you can have more equity in the portfolio, you can take more out without fear of running out of money, and uh, you'll hopefully leave more to others. Uh, and, and, and I hope, I hope because this whole process that we're trying to teach is to help people get better returns, or at least the return they need, to do it with less risk and greater peace of mind. And when I look at the implications of this flexible distribution, and by the way, my wife and I use 5%. We maybe should change that to 6% now that we're getting older. But I can tell you when the market's going down, I feel more relaxed because I know that I, we don't have to take out more. We're already taking out more than we need. We may have to cut back a little bit on what we give away, but our lifestyle's not going to change. And... For all you fire movement fans, those who are trying to retire early with financial independence, you can see what I would probably be preaching. I would be preaching that you work long enough, save enough, that you literally have more than you need. 
And you might ask, how much more than you need does it allow you to take out more? Or does it allow you not to have to adjust uh, for inflation? And I think if you have 50% more than you need, that uh, that will give you uh, in, in enough uh, defense to, to allow you to take out more, even would allow you to be in a slightly higher risk uh, combination of equity uh, fixed income uh, allocation. And I must say, I'm a little embarrassed because as I was sitting there telling this story, I just came up with was an interesting way that one might approach this. Let's go back and think for a second about that million dollars was enough to take care of the needs and to adjust those needs upwards for inflation. And then the the, the second million dollars really isn't needed. It is something that you might enjoy. I hope you enjoy. But it could be that you manage the first million with the this is what I need to, to meet our basic financial and, and, and lifestyle needs, and then have the second million managed based on the flexible distributions rather than the fixed. I think that's kind of a cool idea. And I think I'm a, when I get on the the video later today with Daryl and Chris, I think I might bring that up and see uh, see what they have to say about that. And I'm not going to tell them before I do. These people are quick on their feet. We will see. Anyway, there you go. Ah, you want to know about the 6%. Of course, of course, of course. You want to know, would you have gone broke you taking out 6% on a, a variable basis? Here's the bottom line numbers. With the 50-50, after 30 years, you're left with a little over 5 million. The 60-40, almost 6 million. If you let it go the entire 53 years, it's a little over 5 million and almost 7 million with the 60-40. Remember, when we took out the fixed 6%, and adjusted for inflation, you were out of money in uh, about 20 years. So I hope that you will pepper us with questions about this particular distribution strategy. In fact, I hope you'll pepper us with questions on all of these things we're presenting in this special series of podcasts and videos because I think this is one of the biggest decisions you're going to make in your life because it impacts when you retire. If you wait until you have more than enough, does that mean I have to work for a few more years uh, in, in order to get out of this job I don't want to be in? Well, that's a big decision and maybe worth forfeiting the right to have the peace of mind of having more than enough. So, Thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, I hope you will also watch the video on this topic because I think Chris and Daryl, they always have some, some interesting things to add to the conversation. 
And uh, I think the next time we get together with the podcast, uh, we're going to be talking about two funds for life uh, with uh, with Chris. We'll be working together on that, and uh, we have a number of topics uh, uh, after that. One of them is uh, I want to talk with you uh, about those who can take care of the investing part on their own. They feel like they've got it and they can control it and do it. Not all that difficult, uh, but they have questions about things that have to do with financial planning, whether it's insurance or estate planning or converting a Roth, all of those kinds of things. I'm going to be interviewing some people who are hourly types of advisors, and then I'll also interview an advisor who works with a traditional percentage of the assets under management. I think we're going to learn a lot about working with these planners and uh, hopefully uh, the outcome will always be that you will become a better investor. Uh, thanks for listening and uh, tell your friends. It always helps to go to iTunes and give us uh, a thumbs up, a good rating for our work if you feel that we have earned that. Uh, but passing it on to others is just as good. And don't forget, please, to forward the free We're Talking Millions book, the free Two Funds for Life book uh, to help others in your family or your friends, circle of friends, uh, because we're trying to get to as many folks as we can, and you are all the key to that success. Thank you and all the best to you and your family. That was Paul Merriman with Sound Investing. Sound Investing, soundinvesting.com, and paulmerriman.com are produced and exclusively owned by Paul Merriman, who is solely responsible for their content. For more information, free articles, mutual fund recommendations, and more, visit paulmerriman.com.